Chronicles. I am joined once again by Andrea Rose Washington. Hi. She is the author of Adalithia, Amatrice Magic, and Elendil. And we are also joined by Jordan Fennell Jackson. Hey, everybody. He is the writer and creator of Eve of Insurrection, also the graphic illustrator for the Ancient Illumination graphic novels, as well as the Ambani comics coming out soon, as well as. Jericho's Bane by Errol J. Knight. He did the comic adaptation. How's it going, Jordan? Good, good. Pages are coming along nicely for Yambani Chronicles. Yeah. Uh, we are back discussing episode three of Willow, uh, Battle of the Slaughtered Lamb. Uh, are they, so spoilers if you haven't watched at least up until the third episode. It's streaming now on Disney+. Plus. Uh, Jordan and I, because Andrea was gone last week, we were discussing that there really was no action in the previous episode, except for Elora getting uh, knocked the hell out <laughs> at the very end by Valentine as she gets <laughs> oh, funny. So we start off this episode with Borman's tale. Basically, Kit is sitting there with Borman, and he's chatting her up about this cuirass and the tale behind this king who goes to fight his his brother for the kingdom and uh, she obviously doesn't want to hear nothing about what he's talking about she just wants to know about her father and i feel this is kind of like her weakness in a way because no matter what stupid thing he does or what direction he tells her to go the second she starts doubting him he's like but i knew your father and that for whatever reason she just about faces and goes along with whatever um it was also kind of weird to me that it took them so long to notice that Elora was missing. <laughs> like, they're the breaking the show. Yeah, like Elora's missing the whole time. He's got this long-winded tale that he's telling her. And uh, finally, Willow walks up and it's like, where's Elora? And then Kit's like, are you kidding me? Like, basically put a leash on her or something to that effect. Is it yeah. just me, or does this seem to be a parody of fantasy tales to you all when you watch it. I, okay, that's a great sort of call on it because I feel like the show isn't taking itself too seriously like the movie. Um, Cause in my mind, I feel like I thought it would be, like I said, the uh, first episode we talked about it, it reminded me of like a, a less serious will of time. Mm-hmm. And I think I just have to remember that it's not at, um, I think I have to remember that it's not super serious yeah. and it's not going to be serious as I'm watching it. Jordan? Because it we does seem watched, like a parody. We watched a parody of a fantasy series called uh, Vox Machina. Vox Machina. Yeah, but that was outwardly, that was outwardly obviously a parody though. And that, but that's what, and that's why like that feel that's more of a strong connection in correlation with being a fantasy parody because it like actually it did everything very well and like really went into the comedy but i feel like this show is trying to be a parody like it's trying yeah like it's it's still dark and serious like the movie so it's like it's in that weird gray area 
Yeah. So yeah, they, they take a long time to notice that Alora is missing and they uh, spread out and obviously Jade is the first one to find Valentine with Alora who's still knocked out, slung over the horse. And uh, the rest of the crew comes through and a fight breaks out uh, in the midst of, and it's kind of funny when they're counting up like, you're, like, you're outnumbered. And he's like, who said I was alone? And they start fighting. Graydon had me cracking up because he's like, I'm not so sure how useful I'm going to be in this situation. <laughs> so the uh, Silas is like, okay, four and a half. Like, yep. he only counts him as a half. And they start fighting in the midst. And the, the battle's kind of getting hot and heavy. Uh, Willow tells Graydon to go rescue Alora. And then when Willow finally gets his stuff together, you can see him kind of fixing something. I was like, what? in the bungling Batman shenanigans is going on here. My boy throws a smoke bomb. And how do you cover the enemy's retreat with your own smoke bomb? That's what I said. I'm like, so they got away because you threw this joint? Like, this is dumb. That was so dumb. I was like, you were throwing like an actual bomb that knocked people out, you throw smoke? Yeah, they were were the only ones confused and left standing there. Right, I'm like, this show is very much, you're right, Rod, this show is very much a parody. Because um, there's no way you can take anything that sort of happens in it really seriously just because, I'm going to backtrack to episode two real quick because I missed it. But like when they were in the, when they were in the carriage and she was like, oh, I'm getting really seasick or uh, I'm getting like motion sickness. And he's like, there's nothing I can do about that. And like she throws up on him. And he's like, oh my gosh. It doesn't have the air of, we're going we're, we're, we're we have a really very important story to tell. This is more of like we're gonna have fun with with, yeah. with whatever this is. We're just gonna have fun, and hopefully you guys like it. Yeah, I think that was a callback to the movie because Alora, as a baby, remember spits up on the other uh, Neroin when he's when he has to stop in the middle of the journey. He's like, the baby's sick, and the other dude's <laughs> like, she's not sick. Give me that baby, and she gives him the baby, and then the baby just projectile vomits on him and I think that was kind of mm-hmm. a callback to that moment so instead of the other person he gets to be thrown up on well uh, after the bungling uh, smoke bomb that doesn't work for them obviously Valentine gets away and they decide they're going to get together and chase them down they obviously notice that something's wrong with Valentine and they're discussing how that how he got turned basically, and Graydon seems to know what he's talking about, and at that point is where Willow kind of unfairly, in my opinion, checks Graydon. He's like, "Oh, I'm sorry. Are you the High Aldwin? No, you're not." So basically, he tells him to shut up. <laughs> uh, you know, I I feel bad because like, um, so oh my goodness, what is Kit's mom's name? Kit and Eric's mother's name? Sorsha. Sorsha. Sorsha kind of bullies him bully bullies willow and now yeah. he's like taking it out on everybody I'm like yo you yeah petty, bro you being petty i was getting that vibe too like see, they crapped on me so i'm gonna crap on everybody else because I'm, I'm in a position finally of authority myself so i can just hmm. what are you gonna say andre but it's um it's very funny to me that he was basically calling out Graydon, and the dude was right and willow was wrong and you even see it when he was doing the test. Like, are you, like, just because you want to be a great sorcerer and you are a sorcerer, we're not going to say that you're not, 
but are you this great and powerful sorcerer that you claim to be um yeah. or is it all an act like it was the last guy who was in your when in your shoes like the bones have told me nothing what do you think okay this is what it's going to say or what finger does magic reside in and he's like mouthing yours so like are you a great sorcerer or are you just a sorcerer and you refuse to listen to anyone else who could possibly tell you something different yeah. Cause you were wrong, Willow. Just saying. And up to this point, he <laughs> still really hasn't been a sorcerer at all. Even going back to the movies, he had the stones, the, the acorns that he threw that could turn someone to stone. Um, he got the spell right after like trial and error <laughs> to bring the sorceress back. But he had really, and he had his pig trick, of course, that, we, that he uh, mm-hmm. fooled that mortar when he had hidden uh, the baby from her. But yeah, he he's in a different position now and I think Sorcia kind of remembered that so she was like yo let's be real you are a great many things but a good sorcerer is not one of them so she kind of said he felt <laughs> walked off and here like the disrespect kind of continues and he's just turning that on the crew and also the, the reason I'm thinking this is kind of a parody because this is like the motley crew of very different people that don't trust know and like each other and obviously we're going through the beginning stages of them. And I'm hoping, you know, at some point they're going to gel. But right now they're still, uh, yeah. Kit wants what she wants. Uh, she doesn't, only reason she's sticking around is she she wants to learn more about her father from Borman. Borman's a rogue, he's gonna do whatever. Graydon, for the most part, is knowledgeable, but it's not really good in the scrap. Elora obviously isn't mm-hmm. trained and we're still iffy on whether or not. Who? Like Graydon is liking Dove. Yeah, Graydon is liking Dove. We discussed that last uh, our last episode. Like I was getting the feeling that he's kind of feeling Alora, and I was like, "Well, this is weird because he's betrothed to Kit, and obviously Alora only wants to go because she wants to rescue Eric. So how is this going to work out in the end? Like I don't know what's going on. Uh, after that point, Alora uh, obviously escape, escapes from uh, Valentine cuts her own tether and escapes into this they called it uncultivated uh, woods and she meets Hubert and Anne which was kind of a weird dichotomy of things. I I was really I was really excited for like my this kind of like lesbian lumberjack lady and I was like I really like how she's wielding this axe what I had a weird feeling I definitely <laughs> thought that was. I thought she was in a trance. I did not think that. Also, I thought that's really like, what's happening. Like, I, I was like, this is a trance. Like, how are you going from darkness to oh, bright and sunny? Like, what, what, what is going on? This is a trance. To find out that it wasn't actually, I'm still not 100 percent convinced it wasn't a trance. I am still not 100 percent convinced, even though. Like we see what happened, we see the death, we see the running. I'm like, maybe it was something that was put in her head to make her feel bad about people dying for her because I still don't understand how, like how do those two women live in that bubble? Like, do they never leave that area? Like what What was going, first of all though, no. I will say, um, uh, what's her face? The one with the ax. I do love that actress from, it's nice to see her exactly. in something else. Cause I love her from Ted Lasso. Um, so it was nice to see her in this, but I, I'm still like not 100 percent convinced this was not a trance that um Alora was in. 
Yeah, the beginning or of like a, she not, steps, maybe not a trance, but hallucination or something. It felt like yeah, because when she steps into the forest, it does kind of look like a drug-induced fever dream. Like it's all shaky cam. There's like streaks of stuff happening as she walks through. It's still kind of dark, and you're right. It's kind of like a weird oasis kind of opens up after it goes all dark and it's bright and sunny, and they've got this weird like woodland summer camp set up. The woods already chopped up. She's got. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the the vegan buffet with the mushrooms and other things just sitting there on sticks. They're talking and she's all Laura's all flustered and they're just looking at her like, "Hello, weary traveler, come sit down, take a rest, partake of our meager bounty of food we have waiting for you." So yeah, I would think that was kind of a weird thing to just to come upon randomly and they don't understand. Like some folks is after me right now. You need to get up. And she has enough time to tell her whole story. <laughs> oh yes. My so yes. This was a hallucination. I just, I love the scene, but it was a hallucination. So you think that's all fabricated? You think we're going to find out that's fabricated later? Yeah, I think I think we're going to find because it, it it just there's so much about that scene that did not if it was if it took place in any other woods. If it was already daytime and she was walking through the woods, but because it was such a quick shift, I just feel like it was a hallucination. Because even um, there's a cut scene to Willow and he has a vision while she's still with the people in the woods. And mm-hmm. it's where uh, and, uh, Laura looks, uh, where she is still looks dark. And so like uh, her eyes look glaze over for like a split second. And so yeah, I'm like, well, up in the sky. So I'm like, if it's the same time as happening, I feel like she's having a hallucination right now and those people aren't real. It's just there to maybe like break her a little bit. Like, look, people are dying for you. You need to give yourself up so no one else gets hurt. Yeah. You don't want your friends to die for you. These women died for you. You killed them. You don't want to kill anyone else. So I'm wondering if that's the crone or whether Valentine has some measure, a temporary modicum of the crone's power that's able to give that kind of vision to her, because he does kind of browbeat her over it. He's like, it's your fault. Mm-hmm. They died. More will die after this. <sighs> you could stop it. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, he did He did say that. Yeah, so I, I, I'm not sure. Um, meanwhile, we got, we kind of go, before he ends up going on with her, we go back to the crew with this wagon that keeps breaking down because in this this episode I think it breaks down twice mm-hmm. and they're trying to get it out of a ditch and the wheel falls off and Borman's like yo just can't you you know you're a wizard you're a sorcerer can't you just levitate this thing and we can go and he's like no and, and Borman's like oh it's so useful having a sorcerer on for this question <laughs> <laughs> like every time we ask you to do something you can't do it like what are you here for exactly besides the boss that's around and they're arguing over which direction to go. My thing, both times that the wagon was stuck, you had two or three other people with horses. Why not tether the horses together to the wagon? Would be three or four horses is stronger than two people and two neuro ones pulling from the front. You got uh, a horsepower. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say it. That horsepower. Speaking the truth. <laughs> yeah. Because even in that moment, you see uh, Graydon kind of whispering 
I forget who was it Borman that he's whispering to when he's like, maybe that's why Willow moved his people underground because he can't basically he can't do nothing. He's he, he ain't got no power. So even Grave is kind of doubting, but he's not letting Willow know. But Willow has no problems getting it off his chest when he's telling him, "You're like you not nothing." I I feel like it's just Willow has the sight and he can see what's going on, but he doesn't have the power to match. And he's lived in he's lived in awe of that one amazing thing that he did. That he's living off the fruit of that um, fame. Yeah. And it's like, you have powers. No one's negating that you don't have powers. And yes, you probably should have trained um, Laura since she was a baby. You probably should have. Um, but maybe humble yourself. Just a tad bit. He's coming off to me kind of like the, the sports, the athlete who rode the bench the entire time but still got a championship ring. <laughs> every time you say something to him, he's like, when you get you one of these, boy. <laughs> I was thinking more like the person who peaked in high school and then did nothing after that. Like, come on, you living living on the old memories, you know? Yeah. Who scored yeah. the one last little point? Exactly. Like, who scored one point? Was the I was at the buzzer? Was like they were in just to have like so they can say, oh, you played you played a couple seconds on the court and you scored. Even though your teammates, they scored hundreds of points. You scored that one, so now you're living off the house. Like, yeah, I won us the game. No. <laughs> they won you the game because you only scored once. You got one point. <laughs> your teammates won the game. They put in the work. You just got to the finish line. Yeah. And he's living off that high. And it's like, not to say you're not good. No one's saying you're not a sorcerer. You're just saying, don't act like you're, don't stink, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I'm waiting to see when. I mean, we all know it's coming. Um, that they're going to jail at some point, and they'll question each other less. They'll become more of the tried and true crew that has banded together through their difficulties. I'm just waiting how long they're going to drag that out to see when we get to that point. Uh, let's take a quick break, and then on the other side, we'll continue to the second uh, part of the episode. Uh, we'll talk to you in a second. Welcome back to the second half of the Ascari Cast. My name is Rod Van Blake, and I'm joined once again by Andrea Rose Washington. What up? And Jordan Purnell Jackson. Hey, everybody. And we are continuing our chat on Willow, uh, the third episode on Disney Plus, Battle of the Slaughtered Lamb. Uh, so we catch up to the crew who is now breaking the rules again as the wagon breaks down for the second time and they're kind of fussing at each other over which direction to go. Silas and Borman are going back and forth. He's like, oh yeah, it's more treacherous, but it's quicker. And they're like, no, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. They're going back and forth with this dumbness. So they break the rules and they do what you should never do in any of these situations. Willow tries to tell them, but of course no one's listening. They split up. Um, But before they split up, we get... Jade and Kit kind of get into it when she goes to fetch water 
and we find out that Jade has been playing possum every time they spar because you're the spoiled scion of royalty. So I couldn't beat you when we were sparring. And we find out like, yo, I was I wasn't hesitating. I was protecting you. So we knew this was coming. Mm. I felt really happy that she finally revealed that. Me too. And it was deserved. I Very feel happy. like Kit needs to be knocked down a peg, a couple pegs. And it's just she ha- she has this arrogance and this selfishness, which I also I understand that when you are in a position of power, sometimes your life is not yours. Because like, look, she's in a arranged marriage with someone she doesn't want. Like, I get that. I like it sucks. But at the same time, stop taking your anger out on people who can't control it. And then stop being mad that your friends don't want the same thing that you want. Um, And she's like being so angry at her friend when her friend's like, look, what did you think was going to happen? I knew my place this entire time. I didn't have any dreams of like random, like you were never, like I knew what I wanted. I had really realistic dreams for my life because I knew what I could accept. And you're the princess. Was I supposed to beat you? Was I supposed to wipe the floor with you every single day? And I love the line where she was like, I never expected you to actually need to fight. (sighs) Yeah. I think she kind of feels bad at that point because had she fought her harder, I think Kit would be better prepared for these situations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's like, I never expected you to have to need to do any of this. And I feel like that was probably a slap in the face for Kit because Kit was like probably... Like, how does that... How much does that suck to know you were putting your all into fighting your friend and they were going easy on you? Yeah. Because they were like, well, you don't really actually need this. So why am I, I'm not like, you're, you're my warm up before I go fight the actual people. Yeah. Like this is my warm up workout with you. And Kit's like, oh yeah, <sighs> another win for me. I'm awesome. Yeah. That was easy mode. I'm going to go fight on hard now. Yeah. What? <laughs> Yeah, she's been training with Commander Valentine the whole time, and that's why she's going off to this other elite force. At least she wanted to before this adventure took off. Um, so yeah, they split up, and Borman and Kit, he he goes to uh, Slaughter of the Lamb, I guess, which is a pub or a tavern or a hotel. I don't know what this is, off on this, this path that they go to, and he's going to seek out to find... I don't, does he tell her what he's looking for? He's not expected to find the cuirass there, but he obviously gets... We see him when he goes down in that, like, well. Mm-hmm. He finds a little piece that, like, activates the mm-hmm. armor. This, like, legend where he tells the beginning of the episode. But then he screams up top, like, oh, I don't think it's here. So he's not telling her that he found even a piece of what, you know, and he warns her, like, uh, look out for were rats. Oh, my goodness. Those are disgusting. Those creatures, man, oh man, they were disgusting. Well, they I don't know what I, I was thought I saw two rat heads. Did I mean, not see that? Clip? They did have two rat heads. Uh, and I, I was expecting like a little, like I honestly, honestly, I was thinking one of those like brownies who got bit by a rat and now they were a the were rat. Like, I was thinking like werewolf, were rat, <laughs> not. Whatever that grotesque is. <laughs> Two-headed glowing eyes, things is staring at you. <laughs> and then it jumped on her. <laughs> kind of looks funny now I think of that. So I do have to say, I still trust him, Borman. I feel like he's Borman. honoring something he said to her father. Because he reminds me a lot of her father. 
and I feel like he's probably trying to protect her and he's telling her like these little stories, anecdotes, things like so she can connect to her father, but not trying to tell her everything because like honestly, the best way to get her to leave you alone is to tell her everything and then she doesn't come back for you anymore. You can just dip. But like yeah. he's stringing her along so that way I guess he can stay and protect her. But like I still trust him. I don't trust him. I don't, I don't know if I would trust him with a sack of gold, but I trust him not to let me die. <laughs> How dare you? At least one in every third thing that I've said has been true. When he said that, I was like, oh. Like 33% of what I tell you is the truth. <laughs> so like I still trust him, just not with money. I trust him to make sure I don't die. I don't trust yeah. him to not rob me. Yeah. So <laughs> after that kind of goes down, well, in the midst of this going, I'm assuming, uh obviously we, we lose uh poor Hubert and uh Anne. Um that was kind of funny because after they got told the tale of who she was, they see the mark. They like pledge allegiance immediately, or at least Hubert does, and kind of Anne just goes along. And then, of course, Valentine comes in the mix. They have their duel, and he's kind of undead. So when she stabs him with the axe, that doesn't do anything. He stabs Hubert, and then they take off running. And when it gets too thick, Anne tries to break. That was hilarious to me, kind of, because she had just she was over there. You know, she was doing a little breathing thing with her hand over her heart, like she was, you know, willing to ride or die. And when she had her chance, she's like, I'm sorry. I got to go. Laura tries to plead, just let her go. It's like, oh, we're going to let her go, all right. She gets killed. And that's when, like we were discussing before, when Valentine was like, it's your fault. Uh, So then he starts trying to lead her up this path in the mountains. They get the wagon going. like we said, we find the the, the wear rats and the cure ass, a piece of the cure ass, and then Valentine now has Laura, and they end up meeting them in front of this. Te- what do you want to say, Andrea? Side note: Going back to when she swung the axe, in the words of Thanos, always go for the head. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> like when I knew at the moment she hit the body and not the neck, I was like, oh, this is not over. Well, she posed. That was that was the problem too. Yeah, she, she was what? She kind of smiled with the always go head. for the head. They can't come back. They're they're dead if their head is not connected to their body. Yeah. Rule of thumb, people, go for the head. Yeah. So they're they're up there now. That she they're basically making her march up this path. Um, and like you had discussed before, I think you had mentioned it, um, Andrea, that he had this vision. Uh, Willow did of Alora, so he knew kind of where they were going. So they end up all uh, converting. I don't know what it was. Plus, they all basically end up in the same spot, despite the fact that they were bickering over which direction to go. Somehow they all end up by this this uh, tavern that's no longer, it's abandoned and got these were rats in it. And Kit and Borman are inside unawares of what's going on up top that now Valentine uh, has led Alora up there and it's like, you're going to go up here and we're going to be rewarded. And she's like, look at you, y'all are falling apart. You're you about to die. And then she starts, you know, this is kind of funny to me, this part where Alora has this, I guess I'll just fake it till I make it. <laughs> you kangers, I'm the best sorcerer that's ever lived and I'm going to do this crazy spell. And that was hilarious. And Valentine's like, all right, let's, let's see what you got. <laughs> 
give it to us. They started laughing. They were laughing at her. Yeah, until like she touched one of them and like the I'm happy. I thought I saw some magic. Pop yeah, well, the skin, like the skin melted off, you know, on his face, on her hand. Yeah. And he she backed up, and that's kind of what gave her the idea to <laughs> she's like, Oh yeah, I forgot. Love. I'm magic. You can't touch him because of love. <laughs> that's gonna be the spell. You just gotta is you gonna uh, what's that jingle jangle? You just gotta believe. No, from Harry Potter. The first one, like he he burned when I touched him, cause he cause you have love, you have your mother's love. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's gonna work. So we finally get uh, after that all happens, we get the battle, we get the final kind of showdown as everybody shows up at the same spot. Valentine, the rest of the uh, command guard that are also turned into these zombies for the crone or whatever, they all start fighting. Uh, Silas was hilarious. I don't know. He he threw. He had someone where he spun around. He throws one knife and then reaches behind his back and takes out another knife. Like, come on. <laughs> and I'm sitting there looking like, homies at a serious reach disadvantage right now. I'm not seeing how this. I'm not trying to be funny. Go but, yeah. Go for the ankles. Yeah, something. Cut the, cut the Achilles tendon. Yeah, I'm like, how is this gonna work out? But he, you know, he's picking his spots. He, he's he's finding ways to get in. Jump on back, stab people in the side and the, behind the shoulder blades. He jumps on someone's back, starts stabbing them in the neck. Uh, but then we see that Jade is getting molly Um She's on her back, crawling backwards a lot uh, through this entire fight. And it just so happens that Borman and Kit are running for their lives away from these were rats. And he just says, let's just break through one of these like uh, burial walls. And they just right on time, Kit comes out and ends up tackling Valentine before he's about to land the killing blow. And the fight kind of, they get kind of some momentum at that point because they caught the uh, the guards by surprise and they all start fighting. But Willow can see, he's like looking at everything. He's like, we can't, we can't win this fight. We, we about to lose. And then he sees his boy Silas Get Louisville sluggard into the, <laughs> into that. What did he get thrown onto that like basically killed him almost? You know, he got hit. He he was yeah. like batter up and gets hit and he flies like he flies. into the mountainside. Pull one out yeah, me. yeah, it pulled one out for Silas. He rip recipe Silas. He gets knocked out. And then finally Willow decides to do something. He even says he even says some magic spell. It gets a little glow to his staff. He slams it into the ground. His magic just starts vibing out and burns the other guards, except for Valentine. It looks like like they get disintegrated almost. Like you start mm-hmm. the smoke, they just yeah. away because he's the only one left to kind of speak in the end, which was kind of weird to me. Yeah, it was looking like I was confused. I thought like when he released that kind of like magic blast shockwave, I was hoping that it would like purge them of the possession. But then I was oh, like, oh, it's not. It cleanse them. Yeah, I thought it was gonna cleanse them, but then I remember they kind of reference earlier like it's a corruption, so it's not going anywhere. So I'm like, oh, so they just get burnt up. And like I think parts of his armor were coming off. I was like, oh, yeah, cool. And I'm like, finally Willow doing something. Yeah, and it made me think. I'm like. Who's the real protagonist? Like, is this going to be a Willow Redemption story? Is this really about him 
stepping into his power and less Alora. Those thoughts cross. I mean, it is called Willow. It is called exactly. It is yeah, called Willow. Called <laughs> I'm like, this man is washed, and I like. I realize I low key only care about his character. I, I, I there's a connection there, obviously, because the first movie. But like, I, I I felt happy for him, and I felt very sad for him when he lost his best friend. But also when he got that attack off, I was like, finally, bro, you throw a magic hand. Let's go, finally. That's yeah. Losing your best friend, but okay. Yeah, that was that was kind of sad. He loses Silas, and then we have this weird Darth Vader moment with Valentine. Like he's finally turned before he dies, he goes back to the good side. But then he asks Jade to end it for him. It has to be her. We we get a little more clarity into their relationship because apparently he was the one that raised her after her parents were killed and tried to get to wherever they were trying to get to previously trained her, raised her up. She kills him. And then my boy Borman comes back. It's hilarious, because he's like, all right, uh, since you can do magic now, how about you fly us up out of here? <laughs> 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 Great, you, you finally unlocked it. How about you just, you know, let's do some magic and just, you know, levitate us up out of here so we can go, because. And then we find out at the end that they said, no, sorry, you got to walk. And they end up walking. <laughs> Willow ends up mentioning that Laura has to start her training again. But no one, the funny thing is no one besides Kit knows and no one's told Laura that the spell finally actually works. Like, no one's revealed mm-hmm. it to her. No one's, no one's told her. So she hasn't gotten that. And then, of course, my boy, uh, Graydon, just falls out because, of course, he got touched. I was mad about that. Like, when did this man get touched? <laughs> You you see them, he's laying down on his back with one of the uh, guards on top of him, and you see like a a orange, like a fire glow beneath, like on his collarbone as he's getting pinned to the ground. So I don't know whether the weapon touched him or the dude actually touched him, but you see the glow happen and then they flash away during the fight. So they do show it to you that that's what happened. Yeah. It's not. It's not. It's not as pronounced as when we see Valentine on the ground with the staff, like yeah. in his yeah. shoulder, for a long period of time. It's not as long as that, but it is shown that he's he's touched. And uh, then at the very end, you see them walk up to like we don't even know because he's like, well, how are we gonna get there? I don't even know where we are. And then you see a structure with some weird like halo of clouds and storms and lightning above this castle. And Willow's like, I know where we are. And then he mentions it. And I'm wondering, is that the I'm wondering if that's the castle where they had the final battle with Bath Morta from the movie? Yes. Yeah. It it reminds me of that. It was that place. I I did a fact check just to make sure when he said the name, I was like, that's the same. Oh, okay. And then, of course, they, they then we get like the end credit scene and they do something horrible. Um, Metallica, exit like, don't read me. Yeah, they just left it. If you paid enough to get that, you could you might as well just pay play the regular song. I, I mean, it was giving me Stranger Things vibes, the, the music, yeah, like the, the, the 80s music, and then like except for in Stranger Things, the they use the actual music though. They don't you they didn't do a remix of the music in Stranger Things. You get the actual song. To the point where I guess people were looking up the music because they hadn't, you know, because yeah. 
people now that hadn't heard of it and they were actually looking up what song that was. Nobody wants covers. Stop giving us covers. Yeah. <laughs> they, they give us like this updated version and then we go to the... How are you guys feeling about the little title cards? Like the painting that starts the show out and then it becomes real and then the same thing with the outro. I like them. It's, it's cool. It, it's reminding that it's helping me keep, it's keeping me grounded in the fact that this is fantasy and like maybe not take it as seriously. More fairy tale, not Brothers Grimm. Okay. It, isn't Brothers Grimm kind of fairy tale? But they're like very dark. <laughs> Isn't that in a the sense of, fairy tale? Though. In the sense of Disney Cinderella versus Grimm's fair, Brothers Grimm Cinderella. Yeah. I've also noticed they there is a really obvious lack and I understand why of blood here. Yeah. Like we get axe oh. in the back, we get yeah. sword through midsection, we get mm-hmm. diagonal sword slash to face head neck and off. chest area. Yeah. But I thought she no... was gonna cut off Valentine's head. I was like, wait, yeah. this is not that kind of <laughs> it's like wait a second. So that's what I'm saying. It's it's more like Disney Cinderella than the Brothers Grimm's Cinderella. Yeah. And it's like the story, the way it's being drawn in and out, it was, it's reminding me of a Disney fairy tale versus, oh, it's just about to get real in this place. <laughs> we all seem to be a bit meh on this series. I don't know if I'm I'm reading that right. It, is it getting better? Okay, what, what are you? I don't know yet. Yeah, I'm still kind of. I really want to like the show. I really want I, to I, like the show, and I think. I think they might have, because they, they even like sort of um, play on it. Broman, Broman, however you say his name, played Broman. on it. In the your your generation, they don't really like the epic fit, uh, the epic storytelling. They want the quick. And I feel like this is something that doesn't need to be as many episodes as they are, they have created, but they're still creating it that way. And yeah. so it's. Um, I feel like they're drawing out a, a, a story that should maybe be four episodes and it doesn't need to be what is it going to be like eight episodes ten episodes I don't think this is a ten story I think it's all like ten episodes mm-hmm. I don't think this needs to be a ten episode arc I think this only needs to be a four to five story arc and then maybe it would be a little bit better yeah it's just like it, some, some like episode two to me is a lot slower than episodes one and three. And so the pacing to me is kind of off in certain episodes. So I'm still iffy on it. I don't know how this is going to culminate in the end, if it's going to come together. Cause you can, they, they kind of telegraph how things are going basically. And, and, and for me now it's whether or not we will think it's well done. Cause we kind of know where this is going. But I think there's nothing wrong with that so long as it's done well. But if it's if we know where it's going and it's trash at the same time, then it's like, mm, we, we've seen this a million times before. You didn't need to do this. Mm-hmm. Give, give me something different if you're going to do the same thing. Then, you know, switch it up a little bit. Agreed. That's, and that's what I'm worried about. I don't, I'm just worried it's not going to switch it up. But we'll we'll see. We will see. Yeah. But it hasn't really been. It hasn't pushed the needle enough for me. Like we've, I've seen. We've like I said, we've seen this before. 
and like I've seen my better iterations of comedies, fantasy comedy parody, or the the darker, more serious fantasy stories. We have though. I think that part of the problem is not truly leaning into one or the other. One or the other. It's kind of frustrating. Jack of all trades, master of none. So it's not really. Yeah. Yeah, Monica. Uh, she says, I hope they run into Kit's dad for a reunion with Val Kilmer. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen, mainly because I, I uh, we were, we, we watched this episode uh, the other night, and also I saw a trailer for Val Kilmer's uh, documentary. Mm-hmm. And because I was wondering too, well, maybe they'll bring him in later for something, but he's going through like, throat cancer and he can't talk and he when he talks he can't really be understood so uh, I don't know if that's in the cards maybe they can do some some CGI magic if it's not too abhorrent and and super obvious because uh, uh, Monica when we were watching it did notice that there was a voiceover in the beginning of the trailer that sounded like Val was kind of narrating so if they could do something like that where his spoken lines are given by the the AI or whatever it is, and then cut away when other things were happening. I don't know if that would work, if it would be too cheesy, you know, and obvious, but I, I'd like that as well. I just don't know if it would happen. They did it with Star Wars. Now you're you bringing a good point. Like, if you can, Mark Hamill's alive and well, and you can go ahead and do it. Oh, you're coming with the Mandalorian. Yeah, so they're like, if you can de-age him, you there's no reason why I can't like use AI to like rebuild his voice because they've done it before with different actors. Yeah. But also like if, if he needs to physically act or say something, there should be some way to protect the comment. But that's it, like a, a lot to ask for. Yeah. Tall order. Well, I will say it's not on his credits. Okay. So I don't think it's going to happen. Unless they're yeah. like going to wait Black until it airs and then add it to his credits. Yeah, um, I, I also don't know if he's going to give him permission to do it, even if yeah they can. Um, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what they do. It'd be interesting if they if they pull something out the hat um, after the, the the last one is released. See if they do something, to give us some type of reunion. It would be nice because he's he's around at least, um, and we can't that can't be said for the entire cast of the movie from '88. Thank you guys uh, once again for chopping it up about these things with me. Uh, everybody that tuned into the live, we appreciate you taking your time out of your day to uh, listen to us discuss these things. Uh, catch us next week. We'll be discussing another episode. Uh, don't forget to check out the links in the description of this episode for uh, where you can catch all of Andrea's works and Shopify for all of uh, Jordan's works and my website as well if you're interested in the things that we've created. Uh, We will talk to you all next week. Peace. Bye.